Welcome to a special edition of Ratchet and Wrench Radio. Sit back, because you don't want to miss it. Welcome to Ratchet and Wrench Radio, your podcast for strategies and inspiration for auto care success. I'm Chris Jones, host and editor at Ratchet and Wrench. This week, we have a special interview conducted by our digital reporter, Hannah Bubzer. She talks to Donna Farrell, Dean of Technologies, and Ernie Morlock, head of the Automotive Motorsports Department at Northeast Community College in Bluntville, Tennessee. They recently received a $349,340 grant to integrate electric vehicle technology into the college's current automotive programs. Here's Hannah with the interview. So to start off, could you just provide us with an overview of the automotive programs at Northeast State? Hannah, we are, we are one of two community colleges in the entire state of Tennessee that offer an associate applied science degree in automotive service. We are the only community college in the state of Tennessee at this point, as far as I know, that offers the motorsports training program. We do also offer an associate applied science degree in auto body technology. We offer a certificate in auto body service and a certificate in automotive service. We plan this fall, this starting fall term, to implement our fleet and quick lane service certificate. And naturally, we are working on the EV a portion of that. Hopefully, we kick off very soon. Mm-hmm. And to add a little bit uh, onto that, we do dual enrollment with our local high schools. And what that offers is the students in the high school setting, before they get out of high school, they can come take college-level courses. And that includes the programs that Ernie just mentioned. And we typically have you know anywhere from five to ten students in a group from the high schools and dual enrollment. And the classes that we typically offer include the auto body classes and... Well, they are taking some of the automotive service classes as well. Okay. Some of those, some of those are actually embedded in our automotive program, so naturally they they can uh, they'll get a taste of both. And we do have many that express an interest in transitioning from auto body to automotive service and to motorsports. I don't think Ernie mentioned when we were introducing ourselves the fact that he has he's been a race car driver, which is way exciting. He has a newly built car sitting over in the shop now. Do you want to mention any of that, Ernie? Well, Hannah, I wanted to be a race car driver ever since I was 12 years old. And just life kind of got in the way. I, I got married very young. We had a family. And I just could not afford to do it. I'm really not sure that I can afford it now. But nevertheless, I, I, there's something I always wanted to do. And, I, and you've heard the old saying, once it's in your bloodstream, you never get you never get, you never, you never get it out. So There you go. Uh, you know, I had, uh, I've been in high-performance education driving classes for, well, I took classes for three years, and I've progressed from HPD 1 to 4. I'm at the instructor level now. And at my age, I feel like that, uh, I feel like I ought to go wheel to wheel, but I just can't convince myself that I'm ready. <laughs> but uh, I really enjoyed, I had my, my third instructor, I, I, I'll quote what he told me, he said, Ernie, you're going to be a, an excellent driver. He said, there's only one thing wrong. I said, baby, what's that? He said, you waited too long. 
So I looked at him and I said, David, I don't, I, I, it's never too late. <laughs> You recently received a grant of nearly $350,000 from the National Science Foundation for EV technology integration into your programming. So if you could just tell us how this grant opportunity came about and what was the process like of receiving it? Absolutely. So I'll take that question. Uh, We were actually very fortunate to be invited into a consortium. And so the consortium is the National electric vehicle consortium that we're partnering with with a couple of other other colleges um from northeast state i'm the principal investigator or a co-principal investigator but indian river state college uh, is the one who actually um when we were getting together to, to try to get this grant we knew that we needed to partner with someone who had a National Science Foundation grant in their pocket before, so to speak. Um, NSF grants are kind of tough to get uh, when you first get started. And so we partnered with Dr. Cooper at Indian River State College in Florida. And along with his help, we were granted this piece of our NSF grant to do electric vehicle maintenance. And he also received grant funding for this national EV consortium that we're a part of as well. And so the the grant process itself is kind of a lengthy process. You have to get buy-in from uh, folks in your your locality. And so through letters of support, we, or Ernie, did the, the biggest part of that work for us as far as going out to local dealerships and asking for their support in the program. Ernie, you want to talk a little bit about some of those support letters and those dealerships? Uh, we had a, we had an opportunity two semesters ago with Subaru. I was contacted with one of their field service engineers about uh, starting some of their training and uh, and asked if I'd be willing to, to uh, incorporate some of that uh, product-specific training in, into our automotive program. And we're always doing that. We always, uh, every summer, including this summer, we we look at what we should be doing, what we look at industrial needs, and how we can actually retrofit some of some of the new product training into our program. So I was fortunate to take uh, thirty of their classes and become certified in thirty of their uh, training modules. And uh, and by the time I completed that, many of the things that they wanted us to do since we've kind of stayed current in the last 15 years, are things that we're already doing. Um, but I have been in touch with, with General Motors, with the city of Kingsport, with one of our one of our leading employers in the area, Eastman Chemical Company, uh, their fleet program. Uh, they're looking at installing many of these EV vehicles. As a matter of fact, they have two or three now. The city of Kingsport has multiple, and Johnson City and um Greenville and Bristol. So we we've been in discussion with these folks about what role we need to take and how we can help. And the the takeaway that I get from each one is, you know, they want they want the training, they want the repair, they want entry level training for either the new people and possibly the people they have employed with them right now. Uh, it is you probably would know that the manufacturers do provide the product training and all have said that I was welcome to attend their product training as well. So we're, we're working in those areas as well to uh, try to enhance this um, program 
on the implement side, implementation, implementation side. So there's a lot of work, a lot of work behind the scenes, and I'm only aware of that. So we're we're currently doing what we can uh, to work with our partners and to get to put together a curriculum that looks, that's going to meet not only the fleet but these uh, uh, independent repair facilities and franchise dealers as well. Part of this funding through the National Science Foundation was there, they have a, a section called the Advanced Technological Education Program, and that program focuses primarily on advanced technology fields that drive the nation's economy. And you probably know that the state of Tennessee is, I would say, if you, you talk to the governor or some of those folks, they consider us a leader in EV. There's a large EV um, plant down near Jackson. Blue Oval's going in down Jack near Jackson, and then LG has a large manufacturing um, facility for the batteries. And so the whole goal of the consortium is to bring people together um, in the EV world so that we, that, you know, they want to start standardizing things and being able to do the maintenance program along with offering a safety course for first responders, uh, which Ernie had a great idea of that that their first responders need to know how to um, maintain, be safe around the vehicles that they've been in a crash or, or some other hazard and take care of the people in them is also a part of this that we want to use to educate the community. And how will this grant impact your current and existing automotive programs? Basically, what's your plan on the implementation process for that? Well, we, like I said, we are working on the curriculum, and there's still a lot of work yet to be done. Uh, we feel like this grant's going to help us on, on the uh, top end to uh, secure equipment. We done, I did a little research, Anna, and there's very few, very few companies. That's, there's a lot of companies out there that's manufacturing training, uh, training uh, equipment for automotive programs, various natures and so forth, but there's very few that have started on their EV and HEV side. But I did run across one, and it's, this is a German company, and we've looked at some of their, their trainers, and that's, this grant's going to help us secure at least two of those. We, we, we actually asked for five. We feel like that we could probably take 10 students initially into this EV program, we feel like we would probably need at least five of those trainers to start with. But on the initial stage, I think they're going. I think they've approved two. So that's going. To, and these are very, very expensive trainers. Very expensive, and they're very, very complicated. So that's that's really going to help us tremendously in that area. And what is very exciting, you know, Northeast State Community College. We're we're just in the very northeast corner of the state, and we have so many very cool firsts in my opinion. So fleet maintenance is something that came up at the advice of our advisory boards. But as well, we have the first apprenticeship program in the state. Uh, we also have the first community college with a working data center in the technology division. We have um, the only community college in the state with FAA certified airframe and power plant. And so we like to consider ourselves leaders as far as technology and our, and our our brand new division here. We have a, a wonderful state-of-the-art facility at sitting at about 114,000 square feet. And so that 
I think that puts us at a really great position to offer something to our community that's not going to be offered in the rest of the state for, for a bit. And in your opinions, what are some of the biggest challenges uh, that EVs and vehicle technology technology advancements present for today's incoming industry workforce? Well, it's going to be a, it's going, definitely going to be a challenge. Uh, let me address the workforce since I'm a little bit more acclimated to that part. Um, it's going the students, the entry level students, are going to have to have a tremendous, have a strong a very strong emphasis placed on electrical systems and electronic systems and mechanical systems. Now, for the most part, that's that's purely automotive. But the EV side of it, the, the safety issue um, when you're around such high voltage is is really is very very important. Um, and we can't we won't be we'll need to stress how important it is that these Interlevel techs and the workforce understand that they cannot conduct themselves around these EVs the way they did uh, previously with just regular ICE or the internal combustion engine vehicle. So we, that's going to be a challenge. One of the other challenges I see is convincing the general public that you've got a range pro- problem with these EV pro- vehicles. And until they, until they improve the batteries uh, storage ca- ca- capability, that's going to be an issue. Um, and then, too, the way the vehicles were actually stored um, and then, you know, kept in, in inside and so forth with the deactivation prior to service to deactivation before uh, batteries were replaced and how you how you uh, handle the electrical system, electronic system is very, very important. So that's going to be a challenge. But we think that we can overcome those challenges because we've got, we've looked at, that's what I've looked at primarily at this stage as far as in developing the new curriculum for the program. And why is it important to have programs such as the ones at Northeast State for automotive education? And furthermore, why is it important that EVs are included in that education? Go ahead. Well, we, we have a, Excellent placement record. We've had, um, I think, since '87, it's been pretty. It's been between 95 to 100 percent placement since 1987. And we have a, being a, a small small community college per se, we have an excellent, we have an excellent relationship with our industrial industrial partners and with the major manufacturers. And I think that uh, one one of the goals that when I was hired here in '92. Uh, was to how do we how do we how do we uh, convince industry that we we've, we've got the product that we need and uh, how are we going to go about in improving the enrollment and getting more and more students involved in automotive training? Well, we looked at I said I answered Mr. Starlock's question. I said, well, first of all, we need to convince convince the employers in the area that we've got we've got a product that they need. And if we don't, you tell us what we need to do. You tell us how we need to conduct business, how we need to train these students. And that's what we're going to do. So my philosophy has always been, and I was telling Donald just the other day, if you stop and think about it, who trains, who, who has the well, who has the best trained automotive technicians? And 
if you stop and think about it, there's, I'm, I'm, and I'm not belittling any any training center, but the manufacturers, they have to get the training right. They have no choice. They spend millions of dollars annually on how they can train not only their seasoned technicians, but their technicians coming out of programs such as mine. So we kind of mimic what they do. Now, we at times, we can't, we can't always be product-specific, but uh, we have to be able to train these students in such a way that they're going to be familiar with that process when they leave here and into the job market. So we've done that since 92. We've, we, we, we kind of classify our training as manufacturer-level training. So we take great pride in what we have done, and we have the evidence that shows that that really works. So Ernie makes some good points uh, with that. We work closely with industry, and we have industry representatives on all of the advisory boards for the programs and the division. Ernie's advisory board always has the best representation when we have our meetings, as a matter of fact. And as well as that, we have people who come from the high schools who sit on those boards, and those boards specifically are there to say, this is what we need. This is what we need your help with. This is what we're thinking you're doing good, or this is what maybe you could improve on for us. And we, we take that to heart. Um, it's a part of our ATME certification. And so we're an ATME, and it's A-T-M-A-E um, accredited school, and which is also a big thing to have that accreditation here in the division. And we want to be a training hub for technology. And I think Ernie and the automotive shop that he has in his program absolutely shows that. What opportunities for your students are you most looking forward to as made possible by this recent grant? Well, the latter part of your first, the last question that was, you know, we, we think, we think that we want, we want our students to have a little bit of a competitive edge when they enter the job market. And it's evident, it's evident, Anna, that EVs are here to stay. Now, I really don't know how long, no, I know General Motors says they're going to stop ICE and Ford and, and many of the major manufacturers are going to stop internal combustion engine production uh, by 2035. Now, it's easy for them to say because I remember when they made the same statement about emission-free vehicle. All the major manufacturers stated in 1993 that by 96, they would have an emission-free vehicle. And that was mandated by the California Air Resource Board. Well, you can expect them to say that. I mean... They know, they know well the political arena. They know what to say and what to do. They know how to conduct business. And by 96, all three major manufacturers in this country had an emission-free vehicle. It was electric vehicles. I was fortunate enough to attend in 96 the EV electric vehicle training that General Motors put on in Marietta, Georgia. Excuse me, Alpharetta, Georgia. And uh, I was I was pleasantly surprised. Now, now we're talking about 96, 1996. And uh, I, I asked, I wasn't expecting to let them uh, to approve my request, but they let me drive that vehicle to lunch. And I'll be honest with you, I was shocked. I was, I, I did have, had no idea. So it's evident they have the, they have the technology to fail that vehicle at speeds that everybody's accustomed to. Uh, and like I said earlier, the problem is the range. Once they get that resolved, I think it's going to transition much quicker. So we want our students, we want our students to be able to transition to either whether it's still ICE or whether it's 
fully electric motor. We want our students to have that competitive edge over anyone. That's the end of the job market. That's part of our philosophy and has been for quite some time. So we we feel like that we want to stay we want to stay a little ahead of the curve when it comes to what type of training um, our students will need. And if if like I said, if it happens tomorrow, if they mandate it tomorrow, we would have to we'd have to scuttle a little bit. But I think we could be ready. Ernie, do you want to mention anything about um, student hands-on experience converting ICEs to EVs and maybe Bristol Motor Speedway? Uh, yeah, I was going to wait for the last question on that. Oh, anyway. okay. <laughs> Sorry, Hannah. <laughs> No, that's okay. No, I was just, I was just going to say my last question is actually if there's anything else you want to add. So if you want to expand on that, this, that would be a great time to do it. Okay. We, we feel like one of the reasons why the National Science Foundation kind of approved, approved uh, the grant for us was that we, uh, we made a comment that not only we feel like we need to train the students on how to service these vehicles and service them safely. But if you stop and think, Hannah, how many people today, right now, at this moment, if it was mandated for the next next the next year, how many people could give up their internal combustion engine and purchase an EV vehicle right now with the minimum cost at thirty thousand dollars? We're having issues with paying for the gasoline as high as it now. So there's going to be very few people that would be able to afford that transition if it was mandated. But if you stop and think. If you have a workforce out there that's trained to convert the internal combustion engine to an ele a fully electrical system and tie in the existing electronic systems with that, then therefore, I think that would work. I think that's a goal. So that was one of the things, one of the components we wanted to add, add in to the um, component uh, to our, our our training was to teach the students how to convert existing. Uh, uh, internal combustion engines to a motor. And then we we, we discussed we discussed with some of the folks at Bristol Motor Speedway in our motorsports program. I asked uh, I asked one of the young ladies, I don't think she's there now, but I asked one at the time if it would be possible that we could in, install an electric motor in one of our motorsports cars and bring to back and they were thrilled about that. So uh, and just last night, last evening, I don't know if you know anything about drag racing. But one of the leading stars in drag racing was uh, Big Daddy Don Garlis, and he's he's built he's 87 years old. He's got he's got three world championship titles and numerous other events that he's placed first in and so forth. So he's currently building a dragster now with an electric motor, and his goal he says his goal before he dies is to go 200 mile an hour in that dragster with an electric motor. So they clocked him. They clocked him uh, the first of the week at 187 miles. So he's got he's not too far away. And that's all for us today at Ratchet and Rich Radio. May the rest of your day be the best of your day, and we'll see you back here next week on Ratchet and Rich Radio.